I found a fossil today. It's not worth much money, but it has sedimental value. You're listening to Sedimental Value with Dylan Roby, a podcast about the interesting and crazy world of fossils. Welcome back to Sedimental Value, Episode 2, The Matrix. You haven't seen that movie. No, not the movie. Matrix is a scientific term for rock and or plaster that surrounds a fossil. You probably guessed we'll be talking about fossils, including how to find, prepare, and identify them. Where should I look for fossils? A road? No! Actually, you could, but it's not likely you would find any there. Also, it might not be very safe. A good place to find fossils is an eroded hill with sedimentary rock everywhere. Just look out for wild animals! An eroding hill might reveal fossil hidden in the rock. As the water runs down the hill and the rock erodes, fragments are washed down to the bottom. You will probably find more fossils down at the base of the hill than up at the top. You'll often find small invertebrate remains and fossilized fragments. Finding whole bones or intact skeletons is a lot rarer. Another good place to look is an area like a desert. Lots of fossils have been found in the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, especially dinosaurs. <laughs> the largest dinosaur found to date, a titanosaur named Argentinosaurus, was excavated from the desert in Patagonia, Argentina. Keep in mind that it is very important to have permission or permits to be on any land where you fossil hunt. Also, most state and national parks are protected by laws that prevent you from removing anything from there. You might find fossils in a park, but you can't usually keep them. How do people get the fossils out? Do they use their hands to dig? A backhoe? Dynamite? No, they don't use either. The most common tools might be found in your own garden shed. Believe it or not, people working in the field use various sized shovels, small rock picks, and various sized brushes. The brushes could be anywhere from a toothbrush to a large paintbrush. It often takes an entire team of people, many of them volunteers, to help get a fossil safely out of the ground. What happens when the team leaves? Do the fossils get stolen? <laughs> Sadly, the answer is yes. Fossils are often taken to be sold on the black market for thousands of dollars. Fossil thieves often destroy the non-valuable parts of the fossil to cover their tracks. Claws, teeth, and skulls are particularly popular items to collect, and they are often targets of fossil thieves. Which reminds me, I forgot to mention taphonomy. That's when two different words sound the same, right? Uh, no. Taphonomy is the method of trying to figure out how, why, and when a creature died. For example, if a Gastonia, a type of small ankylosaur, was found with bites and scratches in its skull or bones, and Utah raptor fossils were found near it, someone could infer that the Gastonia died in a fight. Fossil poachers care more about selling what they find and not about the data that they could be destroying on the site. Hmm, I never thought of that. How you dig fossils out is pretty important, not just to preserve the fossil, but also to learn everything you can about the creature you're uncovering. What do paleontologists do after fossils out of the ground? Do they take it to a museum or whatever? Glad you asked, because the process is very interesting. 
We are still a long way from having a specimen that's ready to put on display. Small specimens might come right out of the ground with some matrix attached. Large finds get a protective jacket before they are completely removed from the ground. Oh, sure, because they want to look good when they arrive at the museum. It's a plaster jacket. Strips of burlap are dipped in plaster and layered around the fossil. If you've ever done paper mache, it's like that. It's for protection and preservation of the specimens, not for looks. Well, obviously, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing a plaster jacket. Yuck. The plaster strips are applied to the top and sides of the fossil in the ground. When the plaster is dry, the specimen is removed from the ground, and the opposite side is plastered, making a nice shell. After the plaster has dried, the specimen is labeled and loaded onto a vehicle and transported. Finally, the fossil arrives at a lab to be prepped. Mmm, trimmed and marinated, right? Not prepped for eating, prepared for study and display. Fossil prep is the process of removing the matrix around the fossilized remains. The matrix can be sedimentary rock like limestone or sandstone, but it could even be plaster that was applied in the field. Plaster would only be on large specimens and not small fragments or remains. The goal of prepping a fossil can be removing all the rock off a 3D fossil, like a bone or small creature, like a trilobite, or revealing a fossil and keeping it in some of the matrix. Why would you want matrix on a fossil? The reason a fossil would need to be kept in a sheet of matrix is so it doesn't get damaged. For instance, fish, stingrays, and other small vertebrates are better preserved when stabilized in the matrix. Prep reveals them rather than removing them entirely. Delicate skeletons that can't be mounted in a pose are best left in the matrix. How do people get the rock off? Whoa, slow down. Why would someone get rock off of anything with a chainsaw, let alone a valuable fossil? First, if there is a plaster jacket, you have to carefully cut it off with a saw like doctors use to remove a cast. After that, matrix is removed very slowly and carefully. You can always take more material off, but you can't put it back on. If you aren't careful, you can actually remove the fossil and not just the matrix. A common tool used for fossil prep is a scribe. A scribe often looks like a pen and typically has a tungsten tip. Scribes are good for detailed work on fine fossils that should not come entirely out of matrix, or a small fossil without much matrix. To use it, you scratch out the rock with the metal tip to break off matrix and get the fossils safely out. For sturdier samples with a lot of matrix to remove, you could use an air scribe. The major difference between a manual scribe and an air scribe is that the air scribe has a vibrating tip and is powered by an air compressor. It can remove a lot more matrix with less effort. Ugh, how long does it take to prep a dino? A zillion years? No, it shouldn't take years, but it does take hours, days, and months. Sue, the second largest T-Rex in the world, took over 1,000 hours to prep. That's about six months of full-time work. Sometimes you might find fairly clean fossil specimens, but really most fossils take time to prep. Some might only take minutes, and others days. Once I was prepping a fish, and I got a lucky bonus. I found a coprolite. Uh, Dylan? What? What is a coprolite? 
In case anyone didn't know, a coprolite is a piece of fossilized poop. <laughs> coprolites can give insights as to what a creature may have eaten and what its diet might have been. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sedimental Value. More episodes are coming, and be sure to check out the pilot episode. Fossils, fun, humor, and knowledge all in one episode. What could be better? This is Dylan Roby and my dad reminding you to keep digging for the truth. Today's episode of Sedimental Value is brought to you by Dino Dill's Funny Fossil Prep Lab. In the mood for humor? Well, this act of comedy might tickle your funny bone. Dino Dill's Funny Fossil Prep Lab. The jokes are older than the fossils. We hope you'll find this humorous. Stop by Dino Dill's Funny Fossil Prep Lab, coming to PBS this fall. My dad may not know much about paleontology, but as an attorney, he knows the law. This is the legal disclosure my dad is making me read. Do not clone any dinosaurs from fossils you may find. Seriously, did you not see Jurassic Park? Do not clean your ears with fossils. Despite our joke about marinating fossils, do not try to eat any fossils. You could break your teeth. Do not wake up my dad before seven on weekends. That doesn't have anything to do with fossils, he just wanted it in here. Backhoes are not toys and neither is dynamite. In all seriousness, do not break the law. Do not steal or trespass. There are lots of laws and regulations concerning the finding, excavation, transportation, and sale of fossils. These laws vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, and if you are going fossil hunting, your preparation should include legal research. Don't just rely on me. I'm a 12-year-old kid. This is DSR.